microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. It's <laughs> a plan. It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes... Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what we need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. Meanwhile, in a small corner of the city, and the home of real bad pain... Welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the Intrepid Trio, Kylan, Eric, and myself, Mike. And joining us is one of our favorite guests, who is also a part-time host over on Wookiee Radio. That is John Tyler Christopher. How's everyone doing? Doing well, man. Thank you again for having me back on. Oh, our Dude, pleasure. it's our pleasure. So this came about because John has hit me up a couple times going, Dude, I want to come back on Mighty Marvel Geeks. I got questions for about Infinity War. So at this point in time, I'm going to turn the tables over to John and have it kind of flipped on us of Ask the Intrepid Trio. This is the first time we've had a guest come on and actually ask us the questions. <laughs> You guys are the experts here. Come on, man. Well, if not, we are. if not, we might have stayed at a Holiday Inn. We're not sure. <laughs> yeah, but that would be a chunk out of our budget. I'm still sending it to Fury, seeing what he does with it. Okay. Just keep. The Did receipt. we ever get Uber certification for the Hellabus? No, uh, not yet. They said it's too. Oh, old. we were going with Lyft, was weren't we? Well, I think we. Yeah, I think we we're leaning lean toward Lyft, you know, because it flies and Lyft. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am so glad you saw what I did. Because uh, it's funny because it's uplifting. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Awesome. And the tables it's are... a little early in the show to be digressing like we are. <laughs> and, the, and the tables are turned on me. It's usually I'm the one who gets this way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I tell you. Uh, every time I see a microbus, I don't know. My heart goes a flutter. Yeah. <laughs> so, like I said, I'm going to turn the tables over to John. And floor is all yours, John. Thanks, man. Um, No, so... And, you know, maybe I, I should even go a little bit further back than this, because it, it might have been something that even started with Black Panther. And so I, I want to, like, start off, I'm assuming we can just go spoilers here for both the movies and the books they're based on here, folks. Like, you know, sorry, I'm, I'm going to be delving into the uh, Infinity Wars from 25 years ago. <laughs> well, um, books, I have no problem spoiling. Movies, they've been out long enough. If you haven't seen it. Shame on you. If you haven't seen it, let me just go ahead and preface. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> Thank you. So, okay, like, I went and saw Black Panther, and I absolutely loved it. And I thought it was this, like, really cool take. I have been a 
huge fan of like Afrofuturism for a long time. Like when I went to art school, for example, that was back in like the early 2000s when everything was Final Fantasy X had just come out and everything was very like future, like a lot of Asian future inspiration, uh, you know, like and things like that. And it was cool. But like I was really got obsessed with and I actually did like this whole series of illustrations based on redesigning Final Fantasy characters and the summons in an African style. Like Odin rode this like really thin, like gazelle looking thing, like a lot of African statues were. I, I, just, I love the look. I love the vibe. So when I went and saw Black Panther, I love the look. I love the vibe. I love everything about it. But it dawned on me at one point that, and I don't know if this was their intent, right? That was Killmonger the protagonist of this movie. Okay, I have something to say about that. I do. Because okay. uh, me and my wife were just talking about this last week because having, because I, I saw I saw Black Panther opening night and even now, I there was a there were a lot of things that Killmonger said that I have to admit I agreed with. And I don't know if it's the fact that I, I, I agreed with them, but I don't know, maybe it's I, I took issue with his with the execution of it because ultimately, you know, his motivation was more about himself, even though he was he was needing that connection with his people. And I get that. I, I don't know, man, because on one side of it, I mean, you could say there's a he says a lot of things that you can relate to and you can see him as a protagonist. Uh, well, I okay. don't know. So I, I think without a doubt, like there is antagonistic qualities. I'm not, I don't want to get into like and a lot of this is even somewhat difficult for me to discuss just because I love that Black Panther has become this cornerstone, much like Wonder Woman and what I think is going to happen with Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. I am all. I remember sitting around at a con, just being so giddy at the thought that man, in a year from now, all these little kids are going to look, and you're going to have kids of every group, race, whatever, being like, "No, I want to be T'Challa," and that to me is like such an awesome thing. And I, I don't want to like try and take anything away from like the cultural oh God, no. movie had. Oh God, no, but, no, of course not. So with with Killmonger, I, I think there were certainly obvious antagonistic philosophies he had. But if you look at the structure of the film, right, Mm -hmm. he comes in, he plays by the rules and through the rules becomes the king of Wakanda. T'Challa cheats to beat him. Right. Like according to Wakandan lore and their rules and regulations, you know, a lot of Mm -hmm. bureaucracy, if you will. Killmonger should be the king still of Wakanda. And it was an interesting choice. And I didn't know if the people making Black Panther, if that was an intentional thing they chose to do was we're going to effectively make the the quote unquote villain of the movie almost have a hero's arc versus how they portrayed T'Challa's arc. Right. Okay. Right. And the reason I bring that up is because I just kind of read it and I was like, you know what, whatever, it's cool. But then when I saw Infinity War and they blatantly made Thanos the protagonist of that movie, he's not the hero of the movie, but he is the protagonist. And I didn't know if like this was something they were kind of starting to play with. Like we're going to start really making our the quote unquote villains of the movie a more gray, ambiguous angle of how we narratively tell the story. With all of that being said, Mm -hmm. my conundrum with I, I loved Infinity War as well. Like 
just like every Marvel movie, killer dialogue, awesome action scenes. You know, I, I thought that some of the action at the end got a little hard to follow, a little, a little, little too crazy. But I understand what the Avengers movies are, which is like their touchdown dances, right? Like we win, we're going all out. And because like I didn't have a, like I, I enjoy the too much spectacle, if you will. Like I think that that's that's the, that's what they that's the party, that's the celebration, right? It's the over the top, right? Which is like that's how it should be, mm-hmm. but. With, with Thanos, he is the protagonist of that movie. I mean, if you follow the arc, right, like first act is setting him all up. Second act, he reaches his low point when Mantis is on his back and he's about to fight, you know, like he's not going to win. And then third arc, he overcomes and, and, and is the victor. Um, and all this also needs to be said that there is going to be a second part. So maybe a lot get answered then. My thing was... You almost ruin his arc because his plot is so it doesn't make any sense. He mm. in the comics, it works because of the nature. If if the MacGuffin was anything but the Infinity Gauntlet, the arc would if it was the ultimate nullifier. Right. Man, cool. It works. The galaxy is going to become overpopulated. I have to get rid of half the people in the galaxy to save the world. I'll be the, I'll be the bad guy, even though I'm the one that's truly going to save the world. misguided as it may be much like Killmonger he sees the problem and he is the hero of his own story which is awesome again with the ultimate nullifier that works but with the infinity gauntlet why doesn't Thanos just double the size of the galaxy and double all the resources or just literally make it that no one has to eat ever again or like the infinity gauntlet throws a monkey wrench in his entire philosophy if that makes sense yes okay Uh, okay Eric, you go first. You go first. Uh, okay. Um, I, I have been – I have pondered that question several times before, and I, I've looked online for arguments both for and against it. And the best argument that I can find is that if you give, if you give the population more food, more resources, they are simply going to continue to accelerate their population growth. And as as he said in the movie, space is finite. Yes, I know he's wearing the Infinity Gauntlet, but there is an upper limit. I mean, if you say, okay, well, I'm going to double the resources. Well, that means that your population explodes further. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the point where they've occupied every last square inch of the galaxy. So what do you do? You make the galaxy twice as big. Well, they growth, populating, 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 and you're right back to where you were. So it's it's basically a never-ending never ending loop. You know, you give them more, they use more You they, until they fill up the space. You give them more space, they'll keep moving. They'll, they'll, they'll keep spreading out. They'll keep increasing. Yes, by the same, if the, the other side of that coin, people will keep increasing if you kill half of them off. But, and I hate to say it, but from his perspective, it's more efficient to do it that way because the population does not grow as exponentially as it would. And so if that means every four or 500 years, he's got to snap his fingers again and and call. That's basically what you've got. And actually, there's uh, that's not too different from wildlife management strategies. Mm-hmm. Like you, like you have like hunting season to it, primarily to reduce the size of the particular animal population. If it's squirrels, if it's deer, if it's you know turkeys, whatever. Mm-hmm. 
uh, you keep the population to manageable and sustainable levels. So that's really where Thanos is going. He's basically the galactic game warden. Mm -hmm. I can respect everything you just said, except it's the Infinity Gauntlet and he's God. And therefore... Okay, make everyone immortal and not need any food, but also sterile. No more population right. explosions. Like, no one has to eat. Like, I, I guess it's just, again, it's the MacGuffin of it. And, right. you know, he if, it, if he was anything, and, and maybe it's, I'm looking at it from the comic vantage point that he, because in the comics, they are, he is God. And you know, there's that awesome scene where he's talking about, he's like, he's now has, he's omnipotent. He's omniscient like he's he's every he is everything and everywhere and at all time and blah 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 and they don't and really the celestials are hurling actual planets yes. at him and he just like boom bye bye yeah. so good so good and, well, and really in the comics he is much more it's it's more simple and straightforward i want to impress death let me kill half the population which makes in the comics makes sense from again if he because Thanos is somewhat almost a protagonist of the Infinity War and the, or the Infinity Gauntlet, right? Like mm-hmm. yeah. the, the Infinity War arc. Yeah. Um, and in a weird Shakespearean way, he's the tragic hero. He just he wants the girl, you know. Like it's it's a tale as old as time. And in that sense, you know, he's slaying the dragon or whatever in in mythological terms you want to use. By killing half, like it makes sense. And the only way you can have a protagonist whose goal is to kill half the universe, no matter how twisted it may seem, in his own mind, it works in the comics because of the nature of the way they set up. And I and I do respect the arguments of like, well, we haven't set up death or like, and even incorporating her, unless you want to include like maybe we they could have worked Hella in as. Death. Oh Lord, that would have been that would have been epic. That would have been awesome. But like Phil Coulson said, I can't deal with Asgard today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess well, I mean, like, there's been 10 years of planning this, right? And it just seemed, right. it seemed very, and again, they might answer all this. And this is, I'm just being that nerd that's, that's wondering about something I shouldn't be wondering about. Like, and again, I'm not trying to say it, it ruined the movie for me or anything, but it was like, it's literally just one of those things. It's like, it's been troubling me. It hasn't changed my enjoyment of it, but I'm, I'm curious. Well, now I'm wondering if maybe if we're, if we're, if we look at this at from who Thanos is. Because for a long time now, he's been traveling around from culture to culture, planet to planet, killing half the people uh, because he has this inexplicable need for balance. Uh, and in his mind... Kind of like the Jedi Order. Yeah. <laughs> and in his mind, that that's how it works. Instead of, uh, instead of taking half the people and shipping them off someplace else, he just kills half. He just kills half. And even when he gets to this point, maybe from, I don't know if this is from a writer's perspective or if this is being being true to the character, I don't know, but maybe even when he has the most powerful object in the Marvel Universe, he reverts to the behavior that he knows, and that is to kill half. When he does have the he does have the power to you know stop people, you know make people sterile, to you know double the resources, he has the power to do all of that. But for the longest time, all he's known is to indiscriminately kill half and maybe that's what he reverts to because that's what he knows it's kind of it sounds kind of like uh let's take a pro football team that's known for its punishing ground game 
Mm -hmm. It's fourth and short. What are you going to do? You're going to put it in the hands of your running back, and you're going to try to get the first down. You're not going to try to throw the ball. No, no. It's because that's what you are. That's your identity. I I see that. Mm -hmm. But, okay, my rebuttal to that would be, does that make Thanos a dummy? That he didn't think of a better way of doing it? Or even though that was his, and, and more to the point, then he isn't a protagonist and shouldn't have been depicted in the light that he is as a sympathetic character because in no way, shape, or form should he, does he deserve any sympathy with the way the movie makes him. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I'm just, I'm just a nerd that draws pictures for a living, and I thought of it like literally in the middle of the movie when he basically unveiled the James Bond villain plot idea, and I was just like, population control? Okay, why doesn't you, like literally the first thought was like, why doesn't you just double all the resources? Was like literally the first thought, or, or make them infinite, infinite resources, or infinite whatever. And I'm like, that was literally the first thought in my head, and I'm, I should also say I'm usually not a fan of those guys that are like, I'm not a plot hole kind of like calling out plot holes or having those ruined movies or what have you. But I don't know. It just it seemed like a glaring omission or problem because of the way the movie was structured. Also, again, had right. Thanos been the villain of the movie, it would have just been like, oh, he's just he's evil. But they went out of their way to show you that he is a he is a good he's he's it, he's fine. he's a good guy. Yeah. See, he's mis. I, I think maybe he's just severely misguided. It, it's like um, it's like when you play uh, when you when you play a role playing game and you give a character a a hindrance where they have a code that they follow. Uh, regardless of regardless if following that code is detrimental to themselves or to their team, it doesn't matter. They're they're tied to that code and they follow it without fail. And and well, it doesn't necessarily make that person smart. It doesn't make it doesn't make them no any less intelligent or makes them a better person or a worse person. Is a character flaw, and it's I don't know, I don't know. Because the, the, the inevitable question becomes: If Thanos is the good guy, does that not in fact make the Avengers and everyone in this the villains? They're basically condemning the universe to horrific suffering and a slow, inevitable death throughout the galaxy. Like, I don't know. It's just, again, like I go, I go back to like one of my favorite storylines of all time was the uh, trial of Galactus. Right. And the argument that Galactus was this force of nature that couldn't be stopped. And it really did play up the idea of like by the fantastic force sparing him or having the opportunity to kill him and not like, are they the villains then? Because think of all the people and like his argument of it's a force of nature, but I, I don't know. Like I said, it just, that was my, we've been following I, for 10 years, man. I think for me, based on, on the arguments you're giving, That's- um, depending on which side, you know, looking at it from the Avengers side of things, Thanos is the villain. Looking at it from Thanos' side of things, the Avengers are the villain. Now, why reduce everything by half? Well, being an audio engineer, when when mixing or EQing a band, the common thought now is subtractive uh, subtractive cuts. So instead of boosting frequencies that that are needed, we're going to cut the problem frequencies and leave everything else at that flat mark. Okay. So um, if we need to, and if the shaping of the of the tone's still not there, let's subtract instead of add instead of doing a little bit of both. Um, I think that could be, you know, part of that's the thought of the world today. Well, if, if things are too big or, or the solution to the problem is let's cut it, not increase it. Okay. 
Uh, so the, the train of thought is for Thanos, well, he's trying to establish dominance and he saw what happened with his planet and he went the method of, well, we need to eliminate half the population to keep what resources we do have. And of course, this is all pre-gauntlet. That's what we need to do. Well, he's done it for so long. That's all he knows. Mm -hmm. How do we solve this problem? Well, we're gonna, we're gonna cut everything in half. Which, which, if I remember right, is totally the opposite of what Gamora talks about with Thanos during the first Guardians movie. Okay, maybe I'm forgetting this. Because I thought she said that he completely destroyed her planet, keeping her and adopting her, not just eliminating half. Well, that, that is that is another question I have, and, and I also should also, I guess, throw in the fact that my three favorite characters in Marvel are Magneto, Doctor Doom, and Thanos. I'm a big fan of, like, the big crazy villain characters. So I had been anticipating this ever since Avengers 1 when they finally revealed Thanos. was like, I was giddy as a schoolgirl. And do, do you guys think this has been the master plan of the MCU this whole time, or do you think that this population control thing is a last-minute addition when they were working on Avengers Infinity War? Yes and yes, because I do believe that everything has been working up to this point, that they wanted to bring in Thanos mm -hmm. and they wanted to bring in the Infinity Gauntlet because that is one of the watershed events of Marvel Comics history. Right. Now, having said that, you would know that if you're going to have the Infinity Gauntlet, you're going to have the Great Snap and half of everybody winks out of existence. Right. I think the exact reason probably was not from the beginning. I won't say it was a last minute thing, but I think at some point they reached a, a point in the discussion where they said, you know what? We don't really want to bring in these cosmic entities right. like death and eternity eternity and uh, order, chaos, that sort of thing. Right. Yes, they've been kind of going away from the totally 100% grounded reality model, but I don't think they were ready to go quite there yet. And so I think that prevented them from locking into the uh, into the I want to impress death. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that at, at some point they were talking about impressing death because if you remember during the credits of Avengers the uh, the spokes guy says you know to to fight them is to court death and he smiles and he just and, and he's got that crap eating grin yeah awesome and it's kind of like that's what i thought <laughs> kind of thing so I, I i'm reasonably certain just from that that there was some death impressment going on i think they just reached a point where they said that's too far mm -hmm. Which again, I can I can respect that because um, the the idea of bringing in those cosmic entities like I can't believe Marvel got away with with Groot and Rocket. I thought there was no way the general public was going to accept them, and God bless the world, man. I have I have hope for the world <laughs> because Rocket Rack. My parents know who Rocket Raccoon is. The world is awesome. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, again, I understand not wanting to bring in death other than maybe having worked out something with Hela. I could see that being an angle, but that would have taken, you know, that's that's a from a you how you would have had to start that at Avengers 2 to build yeah. that background story. Right. Um, or you would have had to have some kind of weird flashback with Thanos. 
I just again, I, I don't know. I, I, you know that when they they first showed Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet was a f- mentioned, we knew the snap was coming because that's just yes, that's that is that's the the big moment of of any Thanos story. Um, but yeah, I was just, I, I was curious when like if that was something they chose like kind of within well they were actually writing Infinity War were they like oh man. How in the heck? But they had to have been thinking of like this death thing is going to be kind of hokey for the general audience. And you don't question the hoke in the comics because right, it's the comics. Right, right, right. Well, you know the thing is, and Marvel uh, from all the way back from uh, Iron Man knows how to toe that line between what is uh, what 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 would be appealing to their comic book uh, readership and the general populace you know uh they they told that line and they do it really well and you know maybe you know i'll admit when i first saw the uh trailer for guardians i'm like nobody's gonna go for this and that was like a year a year going into it i thought this this will be the first flop and that's okay and then we come around and I had co-workers who were non-comic people that, number one, they fell in love with the soundtrack, and they this was this may have been their first Marvel movie, and they loved Guardians. They did, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm gonna learn not to question Marvel. <laughs> so right. I, I will, I will agree. I I was nervous about Guardians because. I knew who everybody was, the with the exception of Groot. I didn't. I really didn't know who he was, mm-hmm. and that's what concerned me because none of these guys were a listers. Yeah, and so it was mainly a case of well, these people were all supporting characters in other titles. Would mm-hmm. people don't know who they are? But dang, if they didn't pull that off, perfect. Oh, I, I think. Mm-hmm. I think James Gunn deserves so much credit for what, I mean, I, I've been a fan of his back in the trauma days and with super and. Um, oh Lord. Yes. <laughs> well, I, you, you question how how well Marvel has done with Rocket and Groot. Uh, I'm going to drop a picture into the Skype chat for y'all to see just how successful it, it has been. Oh, she drew that herself from watching a YouTube oh, video. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, wow. Oh my gosh. That's pretty awesome. awesome. I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like back when I heard that Robert Downey Jr. was was going was cast as Tony Stark, and that Marvel was going to do an Iron Man movie, and I was like, okay, I love Iron Man. That's great. But you know, the average populace they they all know who Iron Man is. You know, if you ask them about a Marvel hero, they, they the best they'll give you is Hulk, Spider Man, and maybe Captain America if they know the difference between us and our distinguished competition. But ten minutes into Iron Man. I was like, I was wrong. Okay, this is decent. And then we get the last 10 minutes of the movie when Tony just totally outed himself. And I'm like... I didn't expect that, and then we get that post the 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 that uh, uh, the Nick trailer. Fury intro, and I'm like, the thing is, Marvel. I think if Marvel had enough faith that they could uh, they could have built a story up to where we where we were going to get death in uh, Infinity War, it, it would have worked. But you know, I mean, because they they 
when they, when they gave us Doctor Strange, which is pretty much just full on uh, full on magic, mm-hmm. people people liked it, people accepted it. When they gave us Guardians, that was pretty much full on cosmic, but it was fun cosmic, and they 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 accepted it. Now, I think that they're pretty much on for the ride now. Once we when we get cosmic with you know, with a little bit more of a meteor story that we're going to get with Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I I don't know. The thing is, I I think that Marvel may have they maybe they were toying with or maybe kind of leaning towards okay. Hey, let's bring in let, let's do this with death um but maybe as this as the movies start to progress and as the story start to build maybe they were like uh we well maybe the our non-comic reading audience maybe they're not quite ready for this maybe mm-hmm. this is just a little too far outside L- you know? let me ask let me ask you this then when you saw and you saw ego mm-hmm. because of the the early foundations being so grounded and so uh, nestled in reality. Mm-hmm. Did it make it easier to accept that yes, Kurt Russell is a planet, or there is this evil magical being that's like on a cosmic order of power? I, I personally, I love that. Like the the moment the the. The shift for me that a lot of people don't, I don't think, realize was Thor, the dark world. For mm-hmm. me, at least, was the moment where when I went and saw stuff with my wife, my wife, because I love, Marvel has done such a brilliant job of distinguishing all of the, their movies and properties as unique entities so that when they mm-hmm. do get together for something like an Avengers film, there's already this conflict and textural difference and like it's like sandpaper right because it's like we made a world war ii document like film we made a tech movie we made a spy movie we've made now a magic movie a space op- opera you know like and i the love dirty dozen in space yeah <laughs> yeah and that's yeah i love that and with thor the dark world it's like that's where it's like it went from you know fish out of water in the first thor to like there's Viking longboats with lasers on them fighting dark elves in spaceships. And I think it might have been difficult for some people to accept, but they've they've worked, they've earned audiences' trust in, yeah, you know what? There's Talking Raccoon. And <clears throat> the fact that with Dormammu, you know, I thought they handled him brilliantly. And the fact that mm. I think a lesser studio and creative team would have had Doctor Strange fight him like with real magic and they would have punched each other and their you know mm-hmm. but the fact that he, he outwitted him through use of the time of you know the Eye of Amagato and stuff like that was so brilliantly done because it showed that like Doctor Strange isn't on even Dormammu's level but yet he outwitted him and that's how he you know like so they, they earned they've earned everything and again I, I yeah. don't want any of what I'm saying to imply that like I'm one of those people that when I hear you know in the middle of some somebody's run on a book or you know I watch pro wrestling and <clears throat> somebody's complaining about a storyline in the middle of it it's like let's see where this goes people before we try and crap right. on it I don't I, so I'm right, not right. Wanting, I'm not trying to crap on anything right this is I don't get a chance to nerd out with people and this is like one of the first like <laughs> nerd out moments where I'm like hmm what do you, you know what do you think's going to happen here um uh, well okay so, since you brought up wrestling I don't know if you have yes. the L Ray network in your oh, area. underground yes best storylines ever uh, yeah. for wrestling okay see now I'm going to have to start watching uh lucha cuz I'm like ah. oh, season 4 just started 
Oh, okay. Dude, it's it's a comic book. Bro- I mean, there's literally a man from outer space, and there's a dragon wrestler. Yeah, it's amazing. I had oh, okay. I had ah, Mart. Right. I had Martin Casale on Weeby Geeks. He's Marty the Moth. Nice. And the best way he described it is, it's not a wrestling show. It's a show about wrestling. Yeah. And okay. it truly, it truly is. This is the way the show should be these days, sort of like it was back in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. I, 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 I want to take this back to Iron Man 3. Okay. okay. Now, and I know a lot of people don't like Iron Man 3, but I love Iron Man 3 because Tony Stark, a man of science who, who's pretty certain that he has good grasp on the world, has just found out that aliens and gods are real. And it's messed up his entire concept of reality. And I kind of feel like, you know, with us talking about this, I kind of feel like that that is where the seed was planted. Because Tony, you know, he even says, you know, he doesn't want to talk. He said, look, I just found out that gods and aliens are real. I don't want to talk to anybody right now. When he could have easily have called, you know, he could have called Steve, he could have called Bruce or somebody to help him out of this situation. But he he didn't want to deal with that because he, he's still – it was still too much for him. And I like – I feel like that that's where the seed was planted because up to that point, I mean, even with – even like with Thor, they kind of treated the Asgardians like they're an alien race, you know. So it was, it was like it, it was kind of fantasy, but they treat them like an alien race. So okay, that's okay. But then, like you said, you know, we we get the dark world, and it's like, huh? Okay. And, and then we have Tony, who is sort of like the one person, the one human who's like, uh, I don't know how to process all of this. And I kind of, I kind of feel like that. That's where Marvel first kind of said, uh, let, let's dip our toes in the in in the not so real world and see how this works. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think I, Thor Ragnarok just kind of plunged headfirst in it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Thor, Thor Ragnarok kicked down the wall. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, but the thing is, I finally got to see full on five star. Let's turn it up to 11 Thor. Yeah. You know? And it had my, my favorite, maybe my favorite MCU character now is Meek. That, that stinking yeah. shot where he was <laughs> in the background just like doing a kata and kicking and punching was like maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen on film. No, I I, I feel like it's like, so little funny side story here. When I have long held uh, a certain thing that I shared with all my friends and when the, uh, regarding a a certain pointy eared uh, detective from another company. And um, when uh, Batman Begins came out, I got so many calls from people and they're like, dude, did you write that story? Because that was literally like, that was my Batman story of like, ground him in reality. It's a horror story. It's Batman. And then when the Dark Knight came out and it ended the way it did, and I was just like, this is so brilliant. This is so well done. My hope was for DC that they had established such a brilliant grounded reality that mm-hmm. there is no better way to introduce Superman than at the end of the third Batman movie, whenever that was going to come out or at some point in it, that here's reality. And all of a sudden, Oh my God, a man is flying and he can like, it would have been this like culture shock even tonally, but that's how the world should view Superman. And your point on, uh, on Iron Man three, I thought was really well said in that same philosophy of, 
you're dealing with a person grounded in reality minus like, just like, you know what? A guy's probably not going to have an armored car tank thing, but we're going to suspend certain small increments of disbelief with Iron Man. He's got a cool suit, but it's all reality. And then all of a sudden here's a man. We as an audience almost were Tony Stark, right? In that Mm -hmm. scenario, like we're coping with there's aliens and gods. What? So I, I, I think that's that's a really interesting way of looking at it. I, I never thought of it that way. And, and I think to some degree, the whole MCU has been wrapped around our seeing the world through Tony's eyes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because he is a central figure. I mean, he is basically the, the birth of the MCU is the first Iron Man movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the Starks are running through a lot of the other movies as well, like Captain America. You have Howard Stark with, with Agent Carter. Again, Howard Stark. You have you know, Winter Soldier, of course, because that's in there as well. You tie that into Civil War. And, of course, all the Avengers. And I think, yes, that has to have been part of it. Well, Captain America is the hero of the MCU. No, he's not. He may be the figure. He may be the figurehead. But Tony Stark is the is the linchpin of the MCU. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know what? That's that's I, I really. Yeah, I agree with that because. Even Steve, Steve is almost Steve would do what he does if even if he did not have the super soldier serum in him. Yeah, but that's just Steve being Steve. Uh, but Tony, like you said, you know, really everything does go back to Tony and, and or, or or the Starks in general because Shield, you, the Starks, uh, well Howard Stark was there at the beginning of Shield. Uh, we got uh vibranium introduced to uh, America because of Howard Stark. Um, and we got dark matter because of Howard Stark. Uh, yeah, it, pretty much everything that's happened in the MCU up to this point, there's the been a Stark, Stark behind it. A Stark yep. has been behind it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to point this out. You, you, you point on it. You touched on it very well. Uh, Steve would have done what he did. It, Steve was Steve, regardless of powers or not. Right. Uh, to to translate into another franchise, Steve Rogers is the Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Of the MCU, he is the the White Knight. He is the uh, he is the quintessential do gooder, uh, almost Mary Sue level do gooder. Mm-hmm. He's willing to get his hands dirty. He doesn't want to. He is willing to get his hands dirty if the cause yeah. is right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, totally, totally. Tony Stark is the Han Solo. Yeah, he has that same kind of. He starts out. He's not a nice guy. He's not heroic. He is in it purely for profit and his own ego. But he has the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. So by the time you get to Infinity War, I mean, he's every bit the noble knight as Steve Rogers. Yeah. But he's had to travel a ways to get there. That's that's a good hero's journey, right? I mean, you have to start being almost having a flaw to overcome that. Uh, speaking real quick, I have to also say that with your analogy, Natasha is definitely going to be the Chewbacca in my story of the <laughs> Star Wars Marvel Universe. So, okay. what, you can't okay. understand her. <laughs> what, what a Wookie! <laughs> so, <laughs> the, what is, the what that Wookie? Make, so, what does that make Hawkeye? Orlando. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh God, oh, no! R two, yes, definitely R two. <laughs> uh, well, you know, yeah, I, I, I can see it. I, 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 much, much respect to to Hawkeye. Don't get me wrong. 
<laughs> was that was it was it I didn't actually know why was he not in the movie? Have they revealed that? Uh he was under house arrest. Him and um uh, Scott Lang. Scott. Scott are both uh, under house okay. arrest. Well supposedly we get the answers to why Scott was not in Affinity War with Ant Man and Wasp that's coming out <laughs> in a couple weeks. Right. <laughs> oh, that'll be good then. I, I, I just yeah. I just want to see uh, I just want to see Clint come back as Ronan in, uh, in uh, Avengers 4. That may be asking for too much, but I'm just saying, I, I'm putting it out there. I, I know it's already I, filmed, but still. I tell you something else that I would love to see. Goliath. Oh, yes. Because if you remember, in the early days of the Avengers, Hank Pym, he, he left. And so Hawkeye was filling in for him. And he was using the Pym particles to become a giant. Oh. Ooh. That would be cool. Yeah. Ah. So now you have a 30-foot-tall archer plucking up sapling trees and shooting them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's the telephone pole. Rip. <laughs> that would be so cool. I'm like I said, I'm I'm legitimately excited. I'm excited that uh, the characters that they they left they left. You know the dynamic of. I was shocked that they took out all of the Guardians, except Rocket, except Rocket. And I'm like, ooh, that, that's an interesting choice well, to team up with everyone. Is it just Rocket, or would you count Nebula as one of the Guardians as well? Good call. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's. I will be completely okay if Nebula is the one to take out Thanos. I mean, obviously, just because, A, and the way the comics were done. But I think yeah. they, they built that story up, right? I mean, the fact that is Gamora... She tried was, once. Yeah. 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 Well, and she would make... Right? Like, you have to ask yourself, like, when you look at the characters, you know, where what is this character's arc? Where are they going to go? You mentioned Tony and everything. Like, like sadly, I hate to say, it makes perfect sense for Tony Stark to die in the next movie. Like, to yeah. make that ultimate sacrifice that he, he attempted in the first Avengers. He finally does it here. Um, th- it would be fitting if he did that. Like, that would be a, that would be a solid run. Um, and it would also be the same with Nebula taking out Thanos or being the one to finally thwart him. You know, she was the right. one that suffered at his hands. He killed her sister, the only person that actually cared for her. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and if we get a zombie version of her, like in the comic, I'd be okay with that too. But again, yeah, I'm probably yeah. asking, it's one of those I'm asking too much. So if okay, that's, so I, if that's the case, we saw on the uh, the one planet that Thor goes to to get um, the new hammer, the forge, the forge. Mm-hmm. We see a second gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be Thanos who who wears it and restores things back after realizing his mistake, or is it going to be someone else restoring it? Okay, I just had this thought. Uh oh. All right, say in Avengers four, someone does actually go up to Thanos and say, "Why didn't you just make world resources?" And he'll stop and say, "I never thought of that," and all of a sudden does it. How how much how how many people are going to squeal when they hear that? That would be a trip. Yeah, and then he then he goes back and he he's the one who undo he'll undo everything that he did. Well, you got to remember in the comics, Thanos subconsciously wants to be defeated. Right. I mean, that's a recurring thing. He gets the power, but his brain can't handle his 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 mind can't handle being all powerful. So subconsciously, he stumbles, or he will it, it, like in the the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. 
he leaves his corporeal being thinking, oh, I don't need it anymore. There's one problem. The infinity gems are corporeal. So when you become one with the universe, your jewelry sitting right there for anybody to just go, oh, look what I found. Click. So I think maybe, just maybe, that's going to play into it at some point. Yeah. I I think there is the possibility. Would that mess with would that mess with his sense of balance though? Well, we we I think we basically know for a fact at least, and I, well, I shouldn't say fact, but like something's fishy with the time stone, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean that was like pretty blatantly obvious with that whole line. I'm wondering if they're going to borrow certain elements from. Oh my gosh, here I, I'm sorry, I got to remember the one with the Magnus. Uh, that was Infinity. War. Okay, that's right. Yes, I'm sorry. So Infinity Gauntlet was the first one. Infinity War was yeah. the second one. And then or Infinity uh, Watch. I can't remember. And then there was the third one with the, the good side of Adam Warlock, if you will. Yeah. Um, because if you remember, like the Magnus was tricked into believing he had he had obtained godhood, but they were actually one of the gems was actually a replica and wasn't actually in phase, and that is how they overcame him. And I know this is getting way too nerdy for like what the movies would do, but I'm wondering if that time stone might not be the, t- oh. the real time stone. Oh. 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 And so Thanos only, he basically didn't actually kill half the universe. That maybe the gauntlet gave him something that he wanted, but didn't actually actualize it by putting them in the soul stone or in the, because it wasn't a fully powered gauntlet. Uh, oh, oh, dude, that is making way too much sense. And I'm not going to sleep tonight. Thank you. <laughs> that also explains, they could also explain the damage that was caused right. to the gauntlet when he snapped his oh. fingers. Oh, man, right. you're it short-circuited it basically, and that's the reason why. That's the reason why Stephen said that it was the he, only way. It was right. the only way. Basically, give him what he give him what he thinks. Make him think he got what he wanted, but Doctor Strange actually played him like a fool. So what? So and, actually, what we see, what we're seeing, is actually what Thanos sees, not what actually is. Exactly. The 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 gauntlet gave him what he thought was half the universe dying, but in fact, again, they got teleported somewhere. Or oh, see, I, oh, man. I was thinking this this is no brilliant. One, no one's I dead. I gotta go back and watch it again now because I'm just like. That. See, my my thought was no one's dead except for Hemdall and and Loki. Everyone else has been moved into the Soul Stone. Okay, was it was that my is thought. possible? I, I agree with that because guess, yeah. even Gamora isn't exactly dead. He said the stone required a life for a life. So now, see, I can totally believe that I mean, Gamora is in the Soul Stone. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that's you know, you, you had Soul World in the comics, mm-hmm. so I can see that. I, I can uh, totally see that. Everybody else, I'm not a hundred percent certain on that. It could be, but what John but said. Dang. Makes- that makes I'm and, and, and here's here's other reasons why that makes sense. Okay, first of all, 
do you remember when the Guardians found Thanos on Nowhere? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they thought they were fi- they were killing him. They right. they thought they had saved the universe. Right, but it was actually Thanos using the Reality Stone mm-hmm. to warp their perceptions. Right. right. Okay. Also, this is. This is every bit what you would expect from Doctor Strange. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you said earlier in the, sh- in the show, John, he's outmatched, but he outwits. Right. I think that may mo- mo- be the most brilliant theory on Infinity War I, yet. I've never I, I've never heard anybody drop it. Wow. I, I'm speechless. I don't know what to say to that, man. That's brilliant. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so if if this comes out to if this comes true in Avengers four, I'm gonna get sued. <laughs> I am going to just scream to the world that John Tyler Christopher is a freaking genius. Uh, and we, and we have we, it on record, can, certified can we, freaking genius. Can we give him a permanent lanyard? I mean, <laughs> he he has. Dude, I'll spray it with gold paint. Little funny side joke to that that point, man. Um, when I did the uh, the Agents of Shield action figure covers yeah i really was pushing hard to see if we could get a hold of Patton oswald because i wanted to do a Patton oswald action figure that was literally a triple pack of the same character from there and instead of giving him guns and other accessories it was literally just going to be like 300 lanyards sitting behind all the characters <laughs> it was uh about two years it two Maybe two years ago, uh, I was getting loot crate at that point, and uh, that particular month's loot crate, uh, the theme was covert, and one of the things that was in there was a lanyard. Nice. I, oh my god, I, I still have that thing, and I'm just like, oh wait, and that was I think that was before I actually got on the show, so I'm like, oh, I'm an agent of Shield, and I got a lanyard. This is awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm that nerd, but that's okay. <laughs> And I didn't know that Agents of Shield has had uh, action figure variants. Yes. Yeah, I did uh, four or five of them, and then, and then at the bottom, I did a little build a figure of Deathlock. There, there were, there were oh, three. I gotta find these now. I, I gotta, gotta find those two now because that's that's there perfect. Were, there were three missing though. Uh-huh. You, Kylan, and myself. <laughs> oh well. He's going to get to those. He's going to get to those. He said he would. I still haven't found those blank, those shield blinks yet. I've been looking too. I have yet to see them. Okay. I, before we go any further though, we, we talk about, we've talked about rocket so much. I got to ask you, John, what, what did you think of the scenes where rocket and winter soldier were interacting? Because we all knew at some point those two were going to meet up and there was going to be the, I loved it. I loved it. My only, I would almost say my only disappointment of Infinity War was I had such high hopes after the, you know, going back to like the juxtaposition of like hardcore reality, like grounded reality and this insanity of the other stuff. I was really hoping I was going to get either a Daredevil or a Punisher cameo with Rocket, just because the idea of reinforcing that the Daredevil universe and Rocket's universe are the same couldn't be completely more different. Like, so the fact that they had at least Winter Soldier in there, I was fine with. And the whole joke about the arm was just that was perfect. That was payoff. I mean, man, like I. That, that was one of those jokes that was so good. I would I wouldn't be shocked if that was something they were they had been literally planning for five years now or however long it's been but going on. I wouldn't be surprised. Probably so. Now I know we could continue going on forever about this, 
but we're coming. But you're about to tell us why we can't. Because we got to get to our picks of the week. You just want to suck the joy out of everything. Another I, rocket I, quote. We're, th- th- this man just dropped some major science and we, oh, that's okay. <laughs> well, you got to have time to process it. <laughs> I mean, just like I, I had to sit in my car for about 10 to 15 minutes before I came here to record and try to process Infinity War. Yeah, like that. <laughs> but there's nothing that says that we can't get John back. There we go. To continue I don't, have, I don't have two covers due the next morning. So <laughs> so we're trying to help John out as well since he, he's working on the next batch of my addiction. <laughs> which he's said one of them could potentially be an exclusive cover. Well, uh- Yes, he told us that he had to do this before we started recording the show. He said, "Can you tell us who they are?" He said, "No." <laughs> I, I, I have to. I I love that I get to talk to people that can't tell me what they do. It's kind of like actually working for Shield, you know. <laughs> but we can say is John dropped this on on Facebook. What the cover, the action figure cover is for issue fifty, and I'll let John s- spill that again. Oh, we're going big, man! It's it's the Dark Lord himself, man, Emperor Palpatine, the Emperor. Oh, which oh. looks great. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was uh, great. We we have a list that we are basically going by. Um, that just so we know what the next book is, we don't have to worry about coordinating on what's what. But for big milestones or big events, we are we break the list. And, uh, you know, um, they haven't announced 51, so I can't say it was going to be. It was going to be this one character that was just like, it was cool, but it wasn't worthy of issue 50. And uh, so the fact that we're the, the editorial agreed that they're like, oh, yeah, let's do something big. And I don't think it gets much bigger than the Emperor, man. Uh, Baru. Just kids. Just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> See, I I think issue 100 needs to be the force. <laughs> Just Chuck Norris, man. What do you expect? <laughs> no, tag and Binks. Ask Chuck Norris. I, I just broke my brain when I said that. Take it. I take it back. Never mind. So, well, it is time for the picks of the week. Uh, I'm going to have John start us off with his first pick of the week. Well, I want to go alphabetically here and keep it simple, man. Mine is uh, Amazing Spider-Man 801. Dan Slott's final issue and uh, on his run. And um, I've heard a lot of good things about it, and I am very excited to uh, pick it up and give it a read, man. This is kind of a monumental event. Great choice. I had that as one of my choices. (laughs) I had to change it. So, (laughs) Eric, since you've got the MU pick this week, uh, why don't you go next? Okay. uh, My first pick of the week is Doctor Strange number two by Mark Wade and Jesus Saiz. In space, even the hoary hosts of Hoggoth can't hear you scream. Stephen Strange is a little out of his element traveling through the galaxy, and it shows. Powerless, friendless, and far from home is just an earthling who needs to convince a stranger that he's worth saving. Meanwhile, a hostile civilization discovers Earth's existence and a new adversary to his wanton, unpaid spellcasting. Excellent. Kylan, your first pick of the week. My first pick of the week is Daredevil number 604 by Charles Soule, Mike Henderson, and Chris Sprouse. Enter the Order of the Dragon. New York City is under siege and is up to Matt to lead the troops to defend the city he loves. Will these new players help him stem the chaos? 
or unleash a fresh horror on Daredevil and company. Okay. Well, my first pick of the week is Unbeatable Squirrel Girl Trade Paperback Volume 8 by Best Friends Squirrel. If we remember, Ryan was talking about how they came up with what's the best way, you know, how to do parodies of like 80s rock songs for the mm-hmm. for the volumes. So this is my Best Friends Squirrel. <laughs> Journey to the Forbidden Planet, Plan Nut, when Nancy and Trippy are transported to an alien world where all is not what it seems. Squirrel Girl must find a way to get to the other side of the universe to save them, and fast. Intergalactic transport through the cosmic realm? Well, this sounds like a job for the Sorcerer Supreme. Doctor Strange will be only too happy to... Wait, what's that? Doctor Strange is gone, and now Loki is the Earth's Sorcerer Supreme? Oh, well, I'm sure he'll do his best. After all, what could possibly go wrong? Drax the Destroyer and Silver Surfer come along for the ride as Dorian goes cosmic, plus new superpowers and the kind of squirrel tail you would never get from Brand Eck. This is collecting from Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, issues 27 through 31, and material from a previous Marvel Unlimited pick, not Brand Eck, number 14. So, John, your second pick. All right. I'm going to go with an, a classic that's coming out in trade paperback. For anyone that hasn't read it, um, I'm going to go with Champions Classic Complete Collection Trade Paperback. We're talking old school champions. We're talking Hercules, Ghost Rider, Angel, back when he wore the most amazing yellow and red suit of all time. And it is join Black Widow, Hercules, Ghost Rider, Iceman, and Angel as they form an all-new super team, the Champions. Now their complete adventures are available in a single volume. Savor every issue, every highlight, every page as the lives of these Marvel icons play out together. Their struggles will reveal the origin of the man who created the Black Widow. Pit them against the combined might of Magneto and Doctor Doom. Unleash the Crimson Dynamo and Titanium Man on Los Angeles. Team them with The Stranger in the fight for an Infinity Gem and bring fan-favorite artist John Byrne aboard for some of his greatest early work, including stories featuring the Sentinels and Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And it is a collection of the entire run of the original Champions book, plus it's got some Iron Man, Avengers, and some Spider-Man and stuff in there as well that include them. So can't beat it, dude. Old school, man. Come on. I like that. I I dig it. I dig it. So, Eric, you're number two pick. My number two pick uh, echoes your number one pick, Mike. Doctor Strange, trade paperback, God of Magic. Evil is everywhere, and the world needs the Sorcerer Supreme more than ever. But the Sorcerer Supreme is now Loki. Say hello to the master of the mischief arts. The Norse god of lies has the cloak, the spells. He's even got Zelma Stanton as his assistant. Is this the chance Loki needed to become a hero at last? Or is the trickster god dangerously close to unlimited power? And what happened to Stephen Strange, the former Sorcerer Supreme? Well, down but not out, Stephen may just have one last play left in him. One that could shake the Marvel Universe to its core. But will it be enough to take back his title with the life of someone he loves hanging in the balance? Collecting Doctor Strange numbers 381 through 35. Excellent. Kylan, second pick. My second pick is Infinity Countdown, Black Widow number one. 
given the incredible, powerful space stone to look after by an old friend, Black Widow has no intention of letting it fall into the wrong hands. But is even the top espionage agent in the world ready to handle cosmic responsibility? Okay. I do have to say real quick, also, if you have not checked out Yasmin Putri's cover for that book, it is unbelievably gorgeous. Like Yes. We're talking Phil Noto's run, which it might be the greatest cover run I've ever seen when yeah. he was on Black. But like, it's that level of awesomeness. Yeah, I want a big old poster of that. <laughs> My second pick of the week is Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man Annual Number One. J. Jonah Jameson is armed with one of the world's greatest secrets: the identity of Spider-Man. Now Spidey has to suffer the consequences as Jonah infiltrates his life. But Jonah's past threatens to unravel everything as he fights for his life against the Jonah Slayer. Plus a short story by Mike Drucker and Chris Bacalo. So that's going to wrap up our second picks. John, your third pick for the week. My third pick is going to have to be Avengers number three. Um, and I am just picking it. I know that the stories are just getting underway, but I am a huge Jason Aaron fan. And Ed McGinnis is one of the coolest cats I have ever met in all comics. Great, great guy. Um, he's just killing it so far on the book. So the fate has once again brought together Earth's mightiest heroes to face their greatest challenge yet. But with Captain America now taken prisoner by Loki, what hope do these new Avengers have to defeat the final host of Dark Celestials? And what startling secrets are still left to be uncovered that will rewrite everything we know about the origin of the Marvel Universe? All right. <laughs> Eric, your final pick of the week. And I just want to say we are huge fans of Jason Aaron here, too. So, yes, that is a totally awesome Very pick. Very much so. Uh, my third and final pick of the week, Sans Marvel Unlimited, uh, has absolutely nothing to do with Doctor Strange. It is actually X-Men Gold number 30. By Mark Guggenheim, Diego Bernard, and David Yarden. Till Death Do Us, Part 6. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today for the ultimate union. After a lifetime of day, new boyfriends and ex-girlfriends, Kitty and Colossus are finally walking down the aisle together. Guest stars galore in this very special moment in X-Men history. Cool. Kylan, your third pick of the week. My third pick of the week is, surprise, Star Wars Poe Dameron, number 28, uh, by Charles Soule, Angel Unzueta, I swear I'm going to get that name right one week, <laughs> and Phil Noto. Continuing the unseen events of The Force Awakens, as Starkiller Base targets the Resistance for elimination, it's up to Poe Dameron and Black Squadron to mount a frontal assault and take the weapon offline, as long as their friends on the ground can get the shields down. Well, Paul Dan or Poe Dameron has called and said, yo, mama. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you gotta hey, finish hey. it. He said, "Yo, mama's so fat." Thanos had to snap twice. Was that a snap in T formation? Z formation. <laughs> what the twist? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Telling oh. this is the color in here. I'm all about it. Yes. I, I think that's the show title. Z formation <laughs> with a twist with John with JTC. Yes. <laughs> oh my Me word. one comics. My, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I want that. <laughs> but 
my my final pick of the week is Spider Gwen number thirty three. Uh, partially why I picked this is because it's one of my daughter's favorite characters. Uh, one definitely one of her favorites from the Marvel universe. Um, I will say her favorite from the distinguished competition is Wonder Woman, and I give high praise for that because she actually got to meet one of the most popular Wonder Woman artists of our lifetime with George Perez. Um, George Perez, you got, she got to meet George Perez. She has a head sketch of cap and wonder woman done by George. So normally, normally he only does the one, but she, since she says she could, and I think she was four at the time. This was the same show. I met John at, at Megacon. Yeah. At Megacon. Same show. She she says she couldn't pick between Wonder Woman and Cap, but she went more Wonder Woman. He goes, well, let me see what I could do. Start drawing Wonder Woman. We're like, oh, cool, which is what she asked for. And all of a sudden, he starts adding in Cap coming in. So she's got both. He's a legend, man. Yes. So Spider-Gwen number 33 uh, is by Jason Latour and Robbie Rodriguez. The Life of Gwen Stacy Part 4. The secret identity of Earth-65 Spider-Woman stands revealed. And now her alter ego, Gwen Stacy, must stand trial. So, Eric, um, while we still got some time, your MU pick for this week, since you have the pick. My Marvel Unlimited pick of the week is... No surprise, I'm working my way through the miniseries. We are at Infinity Gauntlet number three. From uh, originally published September 10th, 1991, written by Jim Starlin, penciled by George Perez, and cover art by George Perez. To start the day, Thanos wrote his name across the universe in planets. To finish, he'll stand against the assembled might of Earth's remaining heroes. Plus, when Mistress Death rejects Thanos again, he creates his own perfect mate. Meet Taraxia the Terrible. Cool. Or as I like to call her, Hot Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, seriously. Seriously, not, you go back and look. She is she is essentially a female Thanos. Not oh, to, I gotta look this up. Not oh, to, yeah. Not to be confused by Star Wars Rebels' own hot callus. No, no. So, well, I'm going to leave us with this final thought of the week. Leia Thompson is pitching a Howard the Duck reboot to Marvel. Uh, Yep, heard about that. She has revealed she is going to ask to direct the Howard remake, which would be absolutely amazing. You know, it might actually work. But here's the thing. Howard is already in the MCU. Yeah. Is she talking about rebooting him outright? Or is she thinking about taking the Howard that's currently out in space and bringing him in? I'm going to assume it's taking the existing Howard since we are seeing him in. We've seen him in what? Three movies now? Well, I've, I remember two. He was in the was Guardians and Guardians scene. 2. Yes. Right. Which, in credits of Guardians 1, yes. in the movie of Guardians 2, don't we see him yes. briefly in Infinity War? Uh, On Nowhere? I, you know what? I think you're right. Plus, we see him in Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout in California at Disneyland. Ew, that, that doesn't count. <laughs> he, he, because he, he, you he, also he, see Figment in Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Okay. My, well, Mike is trying to squeeze in as much as much uh, Howard as possible. So, you know. Well, the, the, the quote is from Thompson. Oh, my God, from your lips to God's ears. I don't know. 
To tell you the actual truth, I'm going to Marvel to pitch Howard the Duck, a new movie. In like three weeks, I want to direct the Howard the Duck remake. Why not dream big, right? Uh, if they get a good writer not? behind it, and it's totally... I'm not trying to knock on the old Howard the Duck movie because it certainly had its special charms. But if they made it in line with the comic that's kind of got that really dry, like edgy kind of com, like I could, I could literally, again, we have a talking raccoon. Is it yeah. really that far fetched? If, no, if, uh, no. I, 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 will I will say I have photographic proof, and these guys have seen it. Walmart has declared Howard the Duck. One of the best films of the 1980s. It, it didn't call it one of the best films. It called it a classic. Well, it classic best film. It's the same. In it. Yeah. I did not, I, I, I topless I, ducks in it. So. Topless ducks equals classic. Now, you know what? I, I I can't argue with topless ducks. I can't. One of my favorite movies is Roadhouse, so I really don't have a place. Uh, that's because it's amazing. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. My if wife doesn't understand that. I'd be down. Would have been. You know, and and then he he had his hero's journey because he could have ripped out Brad Wesley's throat, and he didn't. True, true. Just saying. Right. Now, I'm just going to say, argue. hopefully we'll hear, we'll get a follow-up to this in a month, possibly after San Diego Comic-Con. If this does go down, please let it go down. I, I, I want it to happen. It, yeah, it, I want it to happen, like John said, according to the comic book. Yes. It, it's got to be according to the comic book, and it's got to be the version that we have seen in the Guardians movies. I would love for Leia Thompson to try and get together with Chip Zdarsky and have mm -hmm. him help flesh out an outline for a script. Yeah. And James Gunn. Gunn said he won't do it. Well, I mean, he, you can pick his brain. Kind of like the Russo brothers said, what are you, you'll help us out for the Guardians parts. Right. That would be, that. that's what I'm talking about. Right. I, I don't know if he'll still do it because he, he's been very adamant. He Yes, he's had it powered in for bit parts, but I don't think he's interested in being a part of a, a larger project. So let's get the last person who, who knows Howard best that would put yeah. Howard closer to, yeah. to the comics and the Guardians universe. And, and that's Chip. Yeah, that's true. So that's true. But on that final note, I just got to say, Jarvis, if you would. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope. Just time to go dark. So most of your qu questions answered, John, or we still got a lot more confusion there, going on? There is no answer to any of them, right? Like, but thank you guys for like letting me just come on and nerd out. Because like I said, these are the kind of things I don't because of my schedule, I don't have no one. I don't talk to anyone. My wife doesn't want to hear. She gets just thinks. So this was great. No, it was very cathartic. Like I was able to get it out, and like I think you guys made a good point. So I'm going to be able to look at it with my perspective. Um, but that's all I was hoping to get out. Of it. I thought we had a great discussion about this. That's listen. I thought it was well, we've we've told you you're you're always welcome to come back, and I'm glad you took us up on that offer. No, it was like I said, the pleasure was all mine. I really, really appreciate it. And I had a blast. <laughs>